You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 212. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners to get all the pieces in place, have consistent four- and five-figure months, and then on to six- and seven-plus-figure years without burning out in the process. Today's podcast is super exciting, ladies and gentlemen. It could possibly be my favorite podcast of 2022. Why, you might ask? Because this podcast was supposed to be all about Instagram. All my questions were written. Everything was documented. But once we pressed record, the word Instagram didn't even come up. Okay, maybe once or twice. But it was not in any means the main topic of this conversation. Brooke and I just started chatting. One thing led to another. The conversation flowed. It got real. It was awesome. Again, quite possibly my favorite episode of 2022 to date. On the podcast today, you're going to hear Brooke and I chatting about death, grief, addiction, wealth, motherhood, and so, so much more. Bring the tissues and get ready for a very heartfelt episode. Hey, 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 you amazing human, a.k.a. Brooke, what's happening? Oh, my goodness. What isn't happening at the moment between a move to my parents, a move overseas, constant Instagram updates, raising a child, uh, keeping my husband fed and alive? <laughs> I mean, the world is on fire, really, at the moment in more ways than not, is it not? But yes, we are talking today prior to um, pressing the record button on the podcast. Uh, well, not even that before we were Instagramming back and forth because you're like, Ange, I've got to put Bob down. Might be a few minutes late. And then we we're going back and forth about the juggle, right? I mean, the juggle is real. What are your thoughts about that? I think that my entire life, I have been an organizational freak. I never realized how much this would be a benefit and a curse since having a baby because you cannot automate a child and just when you think that you've got it all figured out, they change. <laughs> they change. Another developmental growth spurt, another whatever you want to call it, yeah. they will change. But we were talking also um, just before we hit record about there's something beautiful about bringing a child into the world. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, there's so many beautiful things. There's so many beautiful things about watching them learn and discover life and the world. And, you know, I remember even taking him to the park for the first time and saying to my husband, He's never seen a tree. He must be looking at this thinking, what the fuck is that? 
<laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, it's really cool. And it's something you can't even explain or understand until you experience it. But it is one of the coolest, ex- actually the coolest experience of my life. And we were talking about how before your little one was going down to have a nap, he was just exploring, you know, a very simple, beautiful book and learning. Uh, and I was then sharing with you how my 12 year old was saying his back hurt last night, checked and he's like, just twerked you, mom. So, you know, there is this experience between as they grow. I never thought I would, you know, my son would say he was twerking around the house, right? So you got to love him. And as much as the juggle is real, you know, one of the things I hate when people say, I'm going to be honest, when they're like, well, we all have 24 hours in a day. Okay, well, yes, technically, we do. And yes, technically, we get to choose where we spend those hours. Yes, I get that. But it's the mental space and the emotional space that that capacity that we have to have in order, like the more humans you're caring for, obviously, the more capacity that you have to expand yourself, right? And I think people have to be careful when they say that there's all 24 hours in a day, because everyone's mental load and capacity mode and all of that is going to look different to everyone else. Any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. And everyone carries different weight. And it's that whole concept of what you see on social media mm-hmm. is probably not even 1% of mm-hmm. someone's life. 100%. So <laughs> there's always something going on behind the scenes. And there's always more to every single story. They say there's three sides to, sto- to a story, your side, their side, and the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think just keeping that in mind when someone is stressed and at their limits, mm-hmm. even if it's different to what you call stressed and at your limits, mm-hmm. is really, really important. And again, just being mindful that all people are still human beings, regardless of the persona, the facade, whatever that they're showing up on social media, just be a kind fucking human. I mean, really, I was on a, um, Chloe's my youngest teacher interview today. And they were talking about like the teacher goes, yeah, everything's fine. You know, did it as anything else. And it's like, listen, my husband and I really don't get a, give a fuck about homework. Are you giving us more things for her to do? We just want her to be a good human. Yeah. So obviously we don't want her to fail and we'll do whatever we can. And we, you know, we really feel that reading is important um, type scenario. But I said, besides that, we don't believe more is best. And the teacher just looked at me as like, this is refreshing to hear, right? Because my whole essence is if I died tomorrow, I would want my kids just to be remaining good humans whatever they were doing and just being kind be kind to people people all right now we've kind of jumped in but I'm going to swing it back a little bit I always like to ask my guests a fun question before we kind of really get started and I know at time of recording you and your family are getting ready to move from Perth in Western Australia and you're getting to make your way to Croatia but by the time this drops you will already be there but my question to you is what are you most looking forward to your move to Croatia I'm most looking forward to quality family time. And I know that sounds cheesy and everyone thinks I'm going on this glitzy, glam, European escapade, but it's very much the simple life over there. And if the last three years has taught me anything, it's that quality time with your family is more valuable than anything on this planet. Mm. We don't have a TV over there. There's actually no internet, which I I need to get set up so that I can work. (laughs) Um, But every night is dinner in the garage on plastic chairs at like multiple tables joined together 
with the entire family. And I love that. And it's so important. And I'm so excited for Carlo to experience that, my son, even though he'll only be one, but I hope that he maybe remembers it one day. Mm-hmm. And I'm more excited for less, mm-hmm. less busyness, less social media, less news, less chaos, less mm-hmm. of the stuff that just doesn't matter mm-hmm. and more of what does now to me. And look, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm this fucking Gandhi. Can I swear? I think yes, I you can swear. You can okay. definitely swear. This like fucking Gandhi spiritual woo-woo person. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes for my own life, the last three years has been pretty fucking horrific. Um, mm-hmm. I lost my sister to cancer and mm-hmm. it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And if it made, plus then obviously having my son, made me realize that your relationships are more important than anything on this planet. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I'm at. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm most excited about. How exciting. And I know, first of all, sorry to hear about the passing of your sister. You. Uh, you know, uh, I can, I've experienced quite a lot of death myself in the last few years. So from one human to another, again, I send my love your way. Uh, you. In regards to the simplicity, there's something to be said about it. I was on a call prior to us with one of my one-to-one clients. And I said, well, have you looked at your calendar lately? Because she was talking about outsourcing to a cleaner. She was like, yeah, well, I can outsource to the cleaner and then I can put more into the calendar. I said, but what if you outsource to your cleaner just to have free space on your calendar? Yeah. And she said, oh, but I have things to do. And I said, but what if the thing you need to do right now is rest? Yeah. What if the thing you need to do is reconnect with yourself or family? What if that's actually the number one thing you need right now that will increase your revenue because you're more in alignment and you are more energetically ready to receive? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, she's like, but everyone's telling me I need strategy. I need strategy. I said, but what if that is the strategy? Yeah. And she so was true. like, oh, right. I believe um, there's, we've lost the art of slowing down. Oh, absolutely. Because the last three years has been such a mess for so many people and we've gotten into this horrible, um, horrible day-to-day grind of just like eat, sleep, work, repeat because we haven't been able to go on holiday. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You think, oh, well, I may as well just work. I may as well just do this and I may as well just do that. If I'm home, I may as well do this. And then three years later, we like feel guilty for taking five minutes off. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. And it was interesting, I found with the flow of COVID is people actually were starting to slow down, it was forced slowness. And as much as COVID sucks, I also go, you know, is the universe trying to tell the world something? Oh, slow absolutely. Down, right? Like, yeah. I would believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah, there will be some people have definitely learned the art of slowing down or are in the process of learning the art of slowing down. And of course, there'll be many people who will continue to back in those habits, right? And that's okay. We're all right on time. But I do believe this shakeup we've had over the last four years is, is there's a reason why it happened, not necessarily condoning it or supporting it for whatever it is. But yeah, the art of slowing down, I think is really important. I believe that sometimes most time than not you need to slow down in order to speed up and not necessarily speed up from like a a fast pace speed up but a fast pace like things will just flow easily and and naturally and with like just yeah that easiness right so yes what a beautiful conversation now and I think it's important for people uh to acknowledge and give themselves because it's also very hard to slow down when everyone else around you is telling you to speed up 
Yes, I cannot agree with that more. And especially when you're new in the mum world and you have the not mums that said with love would just never understand Mm -hmm. what it's like. And they're saying, do this, do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to get back out into the world, and you need to be present, and your business won't grow if you don't do this. And you've got to find this. I'm not even going to say balance because I learned very quickly trying to balance everything as a mum is bullshit. But you've got to learn very quickly to let go of the old you Mm -hmm. because that you is not coming back Mm -hmm. and discover this new version of yourself as a wife, as a partner, as a business owner, as a daughter and as a mum and as a friend even. Mm -hmm. And it's like starting again from zero Mm -hmm. and that's scary. 100%. It's so, it's scary because the fear is there, right? And the fear of doing things our way is so often why we go back to it because really there's I was working, uh, I was on a call uh, with Gabby. She was actually, Abram, she was on the podcast a few weeks ago. And what we were talking about is, is the subconscious starts to play tricks on us, right? Mm-hmm. There's three primary reasons why people don't do what they, or don't do what they want to do. One is the subconscious underneath is I'm not enough, sense of belonging and safety, the fourth thing that she has found after doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of our rapid transformational therapy sessions is those who are on an entrepreneur journey because that's who she's serving is further along is there's this essence of loneliness. And so again, so often we are so that safety net. I really want to leave my job to go overseas or I really want to quit my job to start my full-time thing. But most people are like, oh, but I'll just wait longer. I'll just wait longer. But really what's happening is there's this fear of safety. If I leave, I'm no longer going to have, you know, vacation time, sick leave, all of these other things. So I just stay in the same, right? But it's like, I encourage people who are listening to be thinking about what is it that you're wanting to do? Like genuinely wanting to do if there was no strings attached, you know, because again, you're always going to have pressures from society because especially in business, we are still the minority. Most people don't get why we do and what we do and how we work. I mean, God knows my family thinks I sell drugs for Christ's sake, right? Because <laughs> there's no way you can make what you do because of a skill. It's got to be drugs, right? Don't worry. My dad thinks I'm besties with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> so, why not? <laughs> I mean, sure. I'll take that, dad. But sure. they just, they don't, they don't get it. So really think about where potentially fear is holding you back. And in this space where you actually get to choose every day what happens, choose how to slow down choose to go to Europe and reconnect with family and just be in the essence of slowness, you can, but you're probably not because it's one of those things underneath. Enoughness, oh, absolutely. Yeah, safety. and I think, mm-hmm. sorry, I was just going to say you're fighting against human nature. Mm-hmm. Human nature is designed to survive mm-hmm. and survival isn't going up against the beast. Survival mm-hmm. is standing back and doing the safe thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so hard and that's why it feels so hard and that's why it feels so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that's why most people don't do it. Yep. They just are like, nah, sayonara, see you later. I'll just keep with safety, right? And then, you know, I've heard, I haven't personally experienced, but then people get to their deathbed, really, and they only have days to live. And they talk about what people regret most, Mm -hmm. right? And I always think about 
what would you regret most if you were sitting on your own deathbed? Now, I know that sounds like quite like thought, Ange, that's a bit Debbie Downer, but I don't think we're having these conversations enough. Yeah. What would you regret? And I know recently, because I too have had my grandmother die on Christmas, my brother on Mother's Day, um, a father type figure on New Year's Day, a friend from WA passed two weeks after that, and a best friend all within the last, maybe close to four years now, but significant deaths on significant days of the year too. And I remember sitting there going after the last one, what would I regret if I was on my own deathbed? And I remember my partner at the time, Dale, he didn't want a dog. And I was like, I've been saying for years, I want a British bulldog. And I was like, you know what? I'm fucking getting it right. Like I'm getting this. I would genuinely regret it. And the second thing I knew that I would regret was staying with my husband. So I knew I had to make changes. It was the most the British bulldog was quite an easy thing. You don't want it. You don't have to deal with the British bulldog, but I can tell you our British bulldog grateful loves Dale. Right. And then the second thing was again, you know, Christmas day this year is, or last year is when I said to Dale, you've got three months to get out. It was hard. People will think, well, that's a bit douchebaggy to do it on Christmas. It just, I just knew I couldn't wait any longer. Right. Like it was just like, not, I'm not going into 2022 with this. Yeah. But I could have played safe. Yeah. I could have kept going in our normal daily routine, even though no one was happy, or I knew to get out of that safety zone. And so I've gotten out of the safety zone. And what I've learned is we can all do hard things. Yes. But we can also choose for things to be easy. Now, in my particular situation, I'm very grateful that Dale and I get along so well. He lives 20 seconds from my house behind the fence, literally, when I say that. Uh, and so for us is the kids come and go between the two houses. We've got set days. But if Dale gets caught at work, I'm like, hey, just have the kids come here. If I've got something, Dale takes the kids. Divorce, I've also learned, is it can be easy and light. Now, again, both parties have to do that. I understand if you're escaping domestic violence or you know, an alcohol, someone who's got alcohol dependence, it might be harder 100%. But we can still, we still always have choice. But if I would have played safe and stuck to that, you know, I would probably still just be unhappy and going through life and then being on my, you know, deathbed, literally regretting it. What are your thoughts about that, Brooke? Oh, I completely agree. And also for your children, isn't it better that they see you happy mm-hmm. and they see their father happy and they don't see fighting and they don't see resentment and they don't see passive aggressiveness because mm-hmm they're going to, without, you know, without you even realising it, they're going to take that on. And it not necessarily will, but it may become then the person that they are and the way they treat their significant other. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that I'm so sorry to hear about all of your people passing. It's, mm-hmm. I, it's horrendous. Um, something that one of my sister's doctors said that really, like, Oof, when I heard it got me in here, until you get sick, everything else is just a to-do list. And mm-hmm. it's so fucking true. Mm-hmm. We tell ourselves every excuse in the world about why it's this drama and why it's that drama and why it's going to be so difficult and blah, blah, blah. But if mm-hmm. you're healthy, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can do anything, anything that you want. If you are healthy, and then I remember talking to my sister and her saying, you know, Brooke, you've got two lives. You've got the life before you found out you were sick and then you've got the life after. And the life after, all you're going to do is spend that time 
reflecting on all the things you didn't do in the life before. Mm-hmm. And oh, the, just those conversations and those comments mm-hmm. will forever be in my brain, especially if I'm whinging and bitching and moaning about mm-hmm. something that's gone wrong or some tech issue or an email got lost or something that happened. Mm-hmm. If you walk into a fucking cancer ward, anybody in that ward would take five minutes of your worst day just to experience life not being sick. Mm-hmm. 100%. Now, my next question would be from that is, what lessons have you learned from death? That at the end, in the very final seconds, all that matters is your relationship and who's there for you. That's that's the only thing that matters mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, don't get caught up in all the small shit because it has no impact on your final moments. And what's the legacy that you want to leave? Mm-hmm. What do you want people to remember you as? How do you mm-hmm. want people to remember you being? Mm-hmm. And it's like you were saying before, you just want your kids to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters. Nothing. It doesn't matter if they become, you know, school prefect. It doesn't matter if they don't do their homework, but if they treat people well and they're kind and they're remembered as someone that was always kind, isn't that more important than anything else? Mm-hmm. 100%. And like I said, it's, I think it's, I mean, I mean, death has changed 100%. I mean, what if, what have I learned from death too, is that it's okay to grieve in your own way. And similar with motherhood, everyone's happy to fucking tell you how it should be done, (laughs) right? But I've also learned that like people can also get very jealous as in like, let me explain what I mean by that. People can pass away and they're like, God, you should be sad. You're not grieving. You're doing this. You're doing this. But it's kind of my whole thing about the divorce. You can't possibly be happy. It can't possibly be easy, right? Because that's all, that's all we know is it's supposed to be hard. Don't be wrong. Grief, there are moments where I will just hear a song and you're like done, right? You're like sobbing. But I also knew that grief, and I know this might sound weird, grief could be easy in my own way too. And I say easy, not from a place of like ripping off a Band-Aid easy. But what I'm saying is, is that I get to do grief my way. Mm-hmm. not what others were telling me it had to be. So, you know, like I didn't go to talking therapy, but I did go to healers. Mm-hmm. I didn't go again to talking therapy, but I did go to hypnotherapists, mm-hmm. right? Like I did those things and they work, they worked for me. What worked, and that's the other thing is grief and motherhood. What worked for me might work for you, but more than often than not, it's not going to work with, for you. And really leaning into that alignment piece about uh, and finding out and understanding what do you need to get through this period and knowing that you're right on time and however you're doing it, you're doing it the best way that you can, right? So yes, I mean, there's something, yeah, I mean, grief, it just, it changes you. But I also think grief can change you in so many positive ways, not just bad ways. Oh, I completely agree with you. Sometimes it's the wake up call that you need to see life differently as well but you don't know that till you experience it it's not a great thing to experience but everyone is dying Mm -hmm. it's just a matter like that sounds really fucking morbid but it's true we're all dying Mm -hmm. so it's it's 
just up to you to decide what you want to see and when. And then sometimes life life makes you see something because it thinks that you're ready to see it at that time for whatever reason. Whatever reason. And the world works in such mysterious ways. Yes, I agree. I would never wish that upon death upon anyone. Right. But I also find in Western cultures in particular is that it's almost so robotic, right? Yeah. Someone passes, go to the funeral director, have the funeral, have the wake or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Go home, go back to work. It's it's just like this robotic, like you almost don't even have time to fully grieve in your own aligned way, right? Totally. And then I do believe that's when it's like, it's like this compoundness that comes in place and people remain stuck or that fear again, right? Whereas if you look at like the Mari culture, for example, and I don't want to mess it up out of disrespect, but it's like, I think they come together for seven days or so um, to view the body. I think it is. And you might yes. know, cause I think you said your partner's from New Zealand, right? Yeah. It's like, I think they come and then they come again for like the funeral, I think. And then I think they come back for the year celebration too. Like, yeah, I don't want to mess it up, but also in the Fijian culture, for example, I used to live in Fiji during my summers as a uni student, like someone would pass away and they would kill this cow and this cow would come, but everyone would come and they were laughing and they were crying and it was very communal. I think again, in their world, they've learned to just have grief as part of who they are and they're living each day because of that almost where I find in Western culture, it's so compartmentalized that people don't know how to embrace the grief almost. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. But isn't, well, most things in Western culture is robotic. Very robotic. (laughs) Yes. Like do this, do this, pass, go, give me my money. Like, and that's where like, I worry about my kids' future, Mm. about how it's almost like we're, we're making them stop thinking. Does that, Mm. I don't know if that's making sense. Like Mm. everything is almost told that you must do it this way. Because it is. You know, you go to school and when you're in primary school, you're constantly told prepare for high school. And then when you're in high school, you're doing all these tests and things to see which university, like the only option is university. Well, this is how it was when I was at school. So you're being groomed for whichever degree you're going to go into Mm -hmm. to basically then have incredible debt that you then need to pay back to the government because they loan you the money they don't fully explain what it means you just know you're going to uni for free and then you end up with crazy debt that you need to get a job work nine to five pay your taxes then you're also caught up in this Australian dream which is to buy a house locking you into working and paying taxes for 30 years Mm -hmm. and you don't know there's any other option Mm -hmm. until you hit burnout in your job and you're like fuck this Mm -hmm. I have to work my entire year to get a couple of weeks off Mm -hmm. serious yep and that's why I call the nine to five job per se um I find like it's a cult and I know that's harsh because and no offense for those who've generally been like cult like churches or whatever do you mean I'm just using this as like it is quite extreme in my opinion that you literally are told when you can take time off of work, you are told when you can start a job when you're like, everything again is told, and there's very limited choice. So when I got out of the nine to five and into the world of entrepreneurship, just the freedom within that was so wealthy, which leads me to my next kind of conversation point that I want to have is holistic wealth. 
in the business world, people are looking at wealth only from the lens of revenue. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, but I would say 90% of people I encounter, especially in startup kind of, I look at business as startup growth and scale stage, especially in this in the startup leading to growth stage. It's like, how much money is in? How much money is in? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? But what if I say, I look at wealth as holistic wealth, meaning you have physical wealth, you have emotional wealth, you have spiritual wealth, you have energetic wealth, you've got community wealth etc. Whatever wealth looks like for you. But in months where you might not hit the revenue wealth, people then think it ends. But what other parts of wealth was blessed to you in that month? And this is where I really want women in particular to really start thinking about wealth in their life holistically. Because if you're only living day to day and are having wealth from a place of revenue, it's going to only get you so far. The example that I'll use is um, I'm in Denise Duffield Thomas's money boot camp. And a lot of times I see women in there um, just going, I haven't hit my revenue goal yet. I haven't hit my revenue goal yet. Right. Like that's because that's what they're focused on. Okay. And what I said is, is but what has Denise's program taught you about wealth holistically? And that's where people start to go. Oh, oh. And the example I use is this in December, I had a breast reduction. So I knew naturally my revenue would probably be less that month for whatever reasons, right? Um, But what I gained that month was emotional wealth and my physical wealth. Headaches gone, backaches gone, feeling lighter. When I left my husband back in March, right? I actually had the best month in revenue that month. And it's not coincidence because why energetically I was more in alignment. But what I also got back that month was my emotional wealth. So I do, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are about holistic wealth. It might be something you've thought about. Maybe it isn't, but yeah. What are your thoughts? I agree completely. I think for me, the past 11 months since having my son has shifted my values a lot because I love my husband, but we've been together nearly 10 years. So perhaps I don't value our quality time as highly anymore because I almost felt like, you know, we had that in the start when you're super in love and you just want to be together all the time. And then I quit my job with his encouragement and support and started my business. And then it was business time. And my business was the priority of everything. And that's all I cared about. And then I had Carlo and I very quickly came to realize that even the last 11 months, fuck, I feel like I was pregnant for 45 years. (laughs) And then (laughs) the last 11 months has gone like that. Mm -hmm. And I will never get that back. And that quality time to be present with him Mm -hmm. is more important to me than anything else. But I, and I wonder your opinion on this. Do you think you have to make money and know how to make money before you can realize money isn't everything? I say yes and no. I say it depends, mm. right? I say it just depends because there's so many variables. It depends on someone's upbringing. It depends on someone's mindset. It depends on someone's values. It depends on someone's abundance versus scarcity, right? It mm. depends on probably support from within their family unit. It probably depends on how much money they have in the banks. Like, I think it depends, mm. right? Is I don't think it can be a straight this or that. I do feel like 
we learn more as we go. But I also feel like if I think when I started off 12 years ago in business with my first business to now, people weren't having these conversations. Mm, Yeah. So again, I also go, well, how much was I not informed for what I believe now is something that should be informed from day one? Mm. Because if I would, and now, Someone may have talked, I actually generally, I don't think so. People would have talked more about spirituality with me in the woo. And back then I was not ready to receive it, but the seeds were being planted, right? But this whole essence of holistic wealth, I've only recently really started to like learn and dig more into it. And so sometimes I also think we can hear things, but seeds are only planted and then things don't fully blossom until maybe two or three years later when we're ready to receive it. But my whole essence is I don't believe the conversations around wealth, specifically around holistic wealth, are being had. So I don't think women have an option to look at what they could have in their world other than revenue wealth. And I think as well, you know, like you were saying, perhaps 12 years ago, when you start a business, you traditionally you're told to have a business plan. And part of the business plan is ensuring your strategy to make revenue and increase your profits. So Mm -hmm. it's all focused towards making money. Mm -hmm. And there isn't really a, well, there wasn't, well, I was seven years ago. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really a lot that was like, well, what does success look like to you that isn't a dollar figure? Mm -hmm. No one talked about that. Yeah. Right. And I think it's still very small because like I've been on what probably 150 podcasts in the last couple of years right and I can tell you a lot of times people like oh we've never heard that we never heard that because it's been I say masculine driven from a place of having to do 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 yeah but I'm here to change that up and go no now I would be a hypocrite in saying that that's how I focus for my first few years in business 100 percent but when people come to me I'm like my kind of thing that I'm moving around is like yes there's strategy in relation to business tactics, sales, marketing, of course, you need that. But the things that I've also been working really kind of more the last 12 months with clients is the energy strategy, the business strategy, and the alignment strategy. Because unless we're infusing those all together, it's going to be exceptionally difficult for that's where the profit and the money to come in. Yeah, absolutely. And you won't be happy. And if you're, if you're not happy, you're not going to have fun. And if you're not having fun, you may as well just get a job. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, nice segue, even though, again, this is very funny. And I'm laughing at this because for those of you who would love to know is this entire podcast was supposed to be about Instagram. <laughs> and all of my questions are Instagram because that's what we taught. But sometimes you just say, fuck it and go with whatever's flowing. And I think this conversation is what is needed. And so again, the title of this podcast will be changing <laughs> once Brooke and I finish when we press, do you know what I mean, end of record. But there's, it was a nice segue. And because last night on my um, own socials, I talked about this is we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. And I said, you know, where in your life have you stopped playing, stopped infusing fun into your world? It's not that we don't know how to play. I mean, we did this for years as a baby, toddler, young child, and even my teenager twerking. But somewhere between the years, we lost the art of play, the art of fun. We stopped prioritizing it. 
Why? Well, as Brooke and I've talked about today, you know, life, motherhood, children, death, for me, separation of marriage. I mean, that list could go on, but it's up to us to take responsibility and to start infuse fun back into our world. Right. So my question for you, Brooke, is where are you infusing fun into your world? I'm infusing fun into my world. Well, I genuinely love what I do, Mm -hmm. but I've definitely had to pull back so that when my worlds are colliding, which they are now, my mum role and my wife role and my daughter role and my CEO role, are all colliding, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm giving everything 20%. Mm -hmm. So I've had to really pull back and go, all right, I have a a couple of days a week that I can work. So Mm -hmm. on those days, what do I enjoy doing the most? Mm -hmm. And scrapping everything else. And it's just going to have to go on pause, not forever, but until I guess Carlo starts school and I've got more time because I didn't want to put him into daycare. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get a nanny. I, I've worked my butt off for the last seven years building this business so that I could start a family so that I could be at home with my family. So if I just went and put him into daycare, I would just work myself into another place where I was stressed and overwhelmed and, yeah, maybe the dollar figure in my bank account would be up and up and up and up. But like mm-hmm. we were talking about before, right now, That's actually not what success means to me. Right now, success means being at home, staring at my kid while he does nothing because I I think it's hilarious and it cracks me up. I love watching him and that's more fun to me than anything else. But then it also means on the days that I'm working, when I'm working in my business, I'm doing stuff that lights me up. Like I'm doing podcasts. I'm doing my Instagram audits. I'm teaching my social club members whatever the new Insta update is because that's what I fucking love to do. And then when I am with my husband on date nights, which are very rare now, um, I'm not stressed about what else is going on in the business. I've just tried to make, I've tried to simplify every role I play in my life but ensure that when I am in that role, I'm having as much fun as possible. And I think that goes to what we talked about balance. You said it before, but I believe balance is bullshit. And I've talked about this a lot on podcasts. I had to learn very earlier on uh, in motherhood that this notion of, if you think about the true definition of balance is that everything's distributed equally to whatever that looks like for you, but nothing was ever equal. It wasn't 25% of my kids, 25% of my business, 25% of family or whatever, right? It just wasn't working out. I was getting more and more stressed and more and more stressed. So then what I had to do is instead of balance, uh, I had to replace that with presence. Mm. So whenever I'm doing something and it could be that I'm away for a week on a business retreat or a keynote speaking event or whatever, I'm present for that. It doesn't mean I don't speak to my kids and say, hi, and how are you? But my energy and my presence is at that event. But Mm. on Saturday night, when I'm sitting there watching a movie with the kids or reading them books at bed or just talking about whatever for the day. My phone is away upstairs and I'm present with them. What are your thoughts about that? I agree completely. I agree completely. And Angela, it was when I did, I did a masterclass with you and it was when I was, I think I I was about six months. Mm -hmm. So that real turning point. And I was, I was trying to balance because previously in my life, 
balance equaled success. Mm. And it was not fucking working. And I I didn't know what to do. And I remember you saying in the class, balance is bullshit. I remember you saying that and you said aim for presence. So I was like, right, how am I going to ensure that when I'm with Carlo, I'm present. When I'm working, I'm present. When I'm with my husband, I'm present. And it's little things like you said, turn off your fucking phone. Mm. Like there is nothing that on your phone that cannot wait. I'm sorry, but there isn't. Turn it off and and give yourself to either yourself if you're just trying to have some time for yourself Mm. or your kids or your partner or your friend or whoever it is that you're with because your cup is going to get so much more full doing that then trying to reply to that text message and trying to write an email and trying to do an Instagram post while watching your kid play with his book while having a conversation with your husband. Yep. Right. It's so, so much. And I know there was a great book that I read once. I'm just trying to see if I can find it on my bookshelf called uh, Indistractable by his name's Nur, I think, N-I-R-E-Y-A-L. And I remember he said his biggest turning point about his distractibility in the world that we live in is, is I think it was his daughter. I don't want to mess it up, but his daughter came in the room and said, daddy, daddy, you know, it's time for us to go and do drawing or whatever they had planned. And he said, in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. Right. And so I think it was, I think he said in the book like minutes, but almost an hour went by and he went back and he said, okay, whatever his daughter's name is. He's like, I'm ready now. She's like, it's okay. You were too busy. I did my own thing and walked away. right and it's like oh fuck and I know all of us have probably done that at some stage whether or not it's friends family partners whatever but I remember like where you just felt heavy and you're like it was really like even though there's a bit of tears in my eyes because I was like oh how many times have I said to my kids just one more minute just one more minute and I'm not holding true to because again we're not perfect to uh, like wrapping up work when we said we would right trusting that it's going to be okay trusting that we need to just walk away, right? Trusting that we can shut the phone off and that, you know, we're going to be all right. But this is where addiction comes into play too. Don't be fooled that what's going on in our world is not fueling an addiction. Mm -hmm. And this is what I don't think people think about. I think they minimize it. But as an ex-mental health clinician where I used to diagnose people with bipolar, schizophrenia, autism, ADHD, you know, et cetera, In order to have a full-blown diagnosis, it must impact all three areas of your life. In children, it's home, school, community, and adults, it's home slash, uh, yeah, home, work slash uh, business, right, and community. If you start looking at your business, and if that business addiction, aka vodka, beer, whatever, is impacting your home, your community, and even your business, poor business decisions, not showing up, whatever, you got an addiction. Check yourself because it is easy to continue to fuel that addiction. More time on social media, more time fucking scrolling, more, 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 more is 100% an addiction. So be mindful that you're not getting caught up in it. Mm. Listen, I will openly say that in the last few years, and I'm going to do another podcast about this business addiction is that I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't do any of that, right? I mean, I've had two drinks in the last three years. And so my thing is, is, but when I knew my marriage was probably done years ago and Dale would say the same, is that like, it was like, Oh, do I go sit on the couch with Dale? Nope. I'll just go back to business. I could have turned to alcohol. 
I could have turned to smoking. And for a long time, I was like, I don't have an addiction. But I was like, fucking oath I did. I was addicted to getting back on the computer. It's my distraction. Just like wine is a distraction. Just like cocaine's a distraction, right? Mm. Be mindful about where your business is contributing to either a current addiction or leading to an addiction. Because that, you don't want to lose your friends and family. You don't. You don't want to miss out on those opportunities to create moments with your kids. You really, truly don't, in my opinion. Oh, I completely agree. And there is nothing worse than when you go to catch up with a friend and they spend their whole time on their phone. Mm -hmm. And look, I have come to understand, especially as a mum, I used to be the person that if I was with you, my phone was off in my bag. Now, and then even since having Carlo, I had to be like, oh, shit, maybe I need my phone on just in case my mum calls. Mm -hmm. But you can still have your phone next to you and if the person looking after your kid calls you'll see it doesn't need mean you need to be on it the entire time and I think for so many people they feel controlled by social media controlled by emails controlled by text messages turn off your notifications Mm -hmm. and then that instantly gives you back the control Mm -hmm. and perhaps you say you know on on in the morning from I don't know Nine till 10, I'm going to give myself half an hour to go on Instagram and I'm going to do my post and I'm going to respond to comments and I'm going to check my DMs. If you feel like social media is out of control, you can take back control. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. 100%, my friend. Now, listen, what an amazing conversation that had zero planning involved. You know what I mean? <laughs> zero. This is not what you and I have been talking about for months at all. But I think it is exactly what listeners will need to hear because I do believe in divine timing that everything is happening for us and not against us. And also that those who are needing to receive this conversation today will receive it in a way that feels nice and right for them. So I appreciate, again, your honesty, really, death, motherhood, addiction, wealth. Mm. I mean, we touched upon quite a few Almost some in some ways big topics, but also (laughs) taboo topics in some ways too, right? And so I'm thank you, thanking you for your honesty, your openness, and just your overall awesomeness because I think this will definitely hit with many people listening. Now, for those of you who again, I normally say, you know, what do you do? Where are you? We never even got to that question, (laughs) my friend, this time. Is this for businesses that would love to connect with you? How can they connect with you and what's happening in your space? All right. So for anyone who may not have picked it up, uh, I'm an Instagram coach for business owners uh, around the globe. So I have a global online training community called the Social Club Membership. Uh, You can find me at Social Club Community on Instagram or my personal Instagram if you'd like to follow along with my journey of learning and discovering motherhood as a business owner is Brooke Belinovich or my website is Brooke Belinovich or the social club website is socialclubcommunity.com. Fantastic. And we'll be sure to include all those links and everything. So it's easily accessible for those. Can you tell us a little bit more about your membership? What does it look like? What's included and how can people also get involved? Yes. So I started the social club because Well, Instagram was a very simple place when I started teaching Instagram seven years ago. And I started to see more business owners getting more and more stressed with all the changes on the platform and how to implement them effectively to continue to grow their audience and make sales. So I wanted to create a community where every single week, 
on a Monday morning at 9am, you got an email with the latest update to hit Instagram and an activity that you could do that week on the platform. Because I found so many business owners as well were struggling with consistency and what should I do now? And I don't know what to post and I've run out of ideas. So over the last five years, the social club has managed to help thousands I still can't believe it. Thousands of business owners in 34 different countries around the world. Yeah, grow on Instagram and have fun on the platform and enjoy showing up and enjoy creating content because they actually start making sales and go, oh, my God, this Instagram thing works. Mm -hmm. Funny that. So I'm very, very proud of that. That was my proudest baby until I had my human baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I absolutely love it. And again, for those who are wanting to potentially explore working with Brooke, etc. We'll include all those links in the show notes. And before we sign off, please remember that my team and I will be putting together those show notes and having them posted over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. Have a fabulous day, you amazing human. And I look forward to you joining me next week for another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Brooke. Thank you, Angela. And thank you to everyone who listened. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au